The scripture passage that you heard Allie read today from Deuteronomy is so important that Jesus picks it up in the New Testament. When he's asked a question, it's actually the passage that Jesus himself quotes. From Matthew chapter 22, let me read you a few verses. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. May God add his blessing to the word. So as this uh, pandemic creeps into now six, seven months for most of us, uh, in quarantine are our lives disrupted, what do you find yourself focusing on every day? What gets your attention? Uh, certainly for me, it is thinking about my family and my friends. It is trying to make sure that we are safe and healthy. I think about the, I focus my attention on the evening news and whether we are flattening the curve or the arguments about masks. Uh, I work with churches all over the country and I'm aware they're focusing on conflict even within their congregations about whether we come back to worship or not. There are so many things that get our distraction. I'm also deeply aware of my son who lives in Seattle, whose girlfriend works in a convalescent home, of my brother who lives in Northern Italy, of one of my students who is pastoring a congregation in the middle of New York City. Um, there are so much that gets our attention. What also got my wife and my attention was that we uh, have a brand new puppy in our house. Our, Lindy is her name, a Bernese mountain dog that is now almost 85 pounds as she's crept over one year. And so for the last six months, we've been mostly trying to train her. And training her is always fun, except that she has a tendency to have a very short attention span. She listens to us perfectly until there is a chipmunk, a squirrel, a person, a dog, a pile of poop, whatever it is, it gets her attention. And then Trying to get Lindy's attention can be really, really hard. In many ways, Lindy reminds me of what it's like to be ourselves. So she reminds me of my, my own experience of going through the quarantine, uh, about how easy it is to lose focus and to lose particularly focus on the voice of the one who is calling me by name. Some years ago when I was a college pastor, I was uh, serving down at USC, uh, University of Southern California. For those of you UT people, I know Vince Young, I, I know, I know, I know. But when I was working with the, these USC students, one day I was sitting out there under the statue of Tommy Trojan waiting for a student who was going to meet me to have coffee with me. And all of a sudden, everybody sped up. It went from like walking across campus to running across campus. And I couldn't figure out what was going on until all of a sudden I heard the bell ring. It was the top of the hour. These folks were all late to class. So they were running off to class. And as I sat there smiling, looking at these students scurrying, remembering what it was like to be a college student, all of a sudden I found myself <laughs> humming along with the bells of the Carillon of USC because I knew the tune. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. I realized once a day at USC, they'd play a hymn and nobody else seemed to notice. I was sitting there in the middle of the quad because I wasn't late for school and because I wasn't late for class. I was able to pay attention to this call to worship. Everybody else was missing it. 
Isn't this what often happens when we find ourselves focusing on the thing that's right in front of us? And this is actually what worship is supposed to help us do. Worship is meant to disrupt our lives, disrupt whatever we are focusing on, and help us put our focus back on God. Worship is the experience that we have when all of a sudden, amidst all of the things that consume us, it's like God breaks in in that moment and says, look at me. Actually, we had a a, a good dog trainer teach us that this would be helpful for us with Lindy. And so this is exactly what we do with her. When she gets distracted, instead of trying to give her a command or a direction, we say to her, Lindy, look at me. And when she finally, we finally get her attention, then we can guide her in the way we can go. And this is what worship does. Worship is the place where once a week, God comes to us and invites us into his own presence and says, look at me. Focus on me first and foremost with your work, with your week, and learn how to focus on me first and foremost every day. This is what was happening in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, God says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Look at me. What helps you to focus on hearing God in the middle of all the different things that work to disrupt you and take away your attention? What helps you to take your focus off yourself and listen to God's voice first and foremost? This is why we have worship, and it's why it's so great to have worship like this, where even though we're not gathering on Sunday mornings, we can, whenever we need to, step back into worship And we can look at God first and foremost. This was so important to the Israelites in the middle of their lives that they learned how to make sure that in all the distractions of the wilderness, do we have enough food? Uh, Are we going to make it through the night? Are we going to make it through the day? We're camping. It's how much longer are we going to get there? And particularly all the distractions that would come when they entered into the promised land. We're finally settling down. We need to plant crops. How are we going to live? How's our family going to survive? They would remind themselves every single day, multiple times a day, this is what's most important. When you wake up in the morning, you say to your children, love the Lord your God. When you leave your house or leave your shop, you are to literally focus wherever you do today, love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. Whatever you do during the day, remind yourself, love the Lord your God. They would put notes on their wrists so that they could be reminded. They would literally say, well, put it on our foreheads so that we can see it in the others. Whatever you do, whatever you do, put your focus back to loving God. When you tuck them in at night and and you say your prayers, remind them, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Whatever you do, look at me, God says and refocuses our attention. Which is why what Jesus says is so disrupting. Jesus disrupts worship. Because when he's asked a question, what's the most important thing? They're actually trying to test him. They're trying to find out, does he know that the most important thing for a good religious person is to look at God, to love God? Do they know that it's about God? That's what they want to know. And what Jesus says is this, let me give you two things, not one. Two, not one. They ask for one, he gives them two. Jesus 
maybe wasn't as good at math as we'd want him to be. But when he gives them two, he does something that completely, utterly disrupts. He takes the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, this passage that is so important that every child would memorize it, and he crams in an obscure verse from Leviticus. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is utterly disruptive. This is completely unexpected. They wouldn't have objected to the content. I mean, it is from the Bible. We should love our neighbor. But it's saying that it is like the first, that it's equal to the first. What Jesus is saying at this moment is as important to to God as you're paying attention to him is that God wants you to pay attention to your neighbor. Imagine coming to church when the first week you gather again together and Thomas gathers you together and you're so excited to be here and you stand together and you say the Apostles' Creed with one voice. And you get to the very end where it talks about we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Amen. And in the quiet of the next moment, Thomas adds in and that everybody will tithe. What? Or he adds in uh, that everybody will share their faith. What? Or or instead it adds, and that everybody will work for justice. None of those things are bad, but you don't cram them into the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is what's most important. So you don't try to add things to the Creed. And if Thomas did that, most of us would sit around and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. They're all good ideas. We're all in favor of tithing and sharing our faith and working for justice. Yes, but you don't mess with the Creed. Jesus messes with the Creed. He comes to a group of people who have learned that the most important thing in life is that they are to love God. And the one who is God in the flesh tells them that is what is most important is that they not only should love God, they must love their neighbor. Just like you love God. And it changes everything. The Jesus movement is completely disruptive even of worship. When I'm training Lindy, the point is not just to get Lindy's eyes upon me, though I love her looking at me. The point is to get her to go with me where I'm going, to do what I need her to do, to follow me wherever we're going to go. So I look at her and I say, Lindy, look at me, let's go. Look at me, let's go. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's saying to us, you want to know the most important thing when our focus is on everything? It is first and foremost, look at God. And God will then tell you, let's go. Worship disorients us off of ourselves and all the things we focus on. And God reorients us to our neighbor. Now, when Jesus said this, an argument broke out. It could have been in a seminary faculty meeting, for all I know. Because what they wanted to ask was a question. Well, who really is our neighbor? And so what Jesus basically does is tells them a story. And you all know the story of the Good Samaritan. And the point of the story is this. Your neighbor is anyone who is in need. Look at me, see people in need, and go. If they're in pain, go. If they're in need, go. 
I had to learn this lesson for myself in an incredibly weird and awkward place. It was in a lawyer's office in Silicon Valley, California. I was meeting with a group of folks who are all uh, entrepreneurs doing startups. And they asked me to pitch them the new initiative that I was doing at Fuller Seminary to try to serve the church. And they, when I got started with my pitch, the most senior person in the room waved his hand and said, wait a second, let's just be clear. Who does Fuller want to serve? I said, we want to serve churches and we want to serve leaders who don't necessarily need our graduate degrees, but they need our resources to be able to live out their ministries. We want to serve people who want to keep growing in faith and growing in leadership, even if they don't need our degrees. He went, great, good job. I gave my pitch 10 minutes later, finished my PowerPoint slide, was all finished, looked around the room, and they were all giggling. <laughs> and the guy looks at me and he says, um, you've been doing that pitch around the seminary a lot, haven't you? I said, oh yeah, I've been talking to people, trying to get them on my team, having them do stuff for me. He said, well, here's the problem. You just gave us 10 minutes on why this was really good for the seminary. You actually didn't say anything about why this would be good for the church. You see, Todd, one of the things we've learned in the startup world is nobody cares about your company. They only care about if your company cares about them. Todd, nobody cares about your school. You do. They only care if your school cares about them. My friends, nobody cares about your church, whether your church will be here, continue to be here. What they care about is if your church cares about them. And then the Silicon Valley executive looked at me and said, didn't Jesus say something about loving your neighbor? When the Silicon Valley executive has to teach the theology professor a lesson about loving neighbor, it's a bad day for the theology professor because my attention was on ourselves. Over and over and over again, God comes to us, disrupts whatever is the focus of our attention and says to us, look at me. Now let's go. Take your focus off whatever you are focused on and look at me, the one who knows you and loves you and cares about you and will meet all of your needs. And now let's go into the world where there is pain and need and let's take the love of God to them. Look at me. Let's go. Amen.